You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Metaphysical Fiction. I am one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined with the Captain Stephen Hiller of this episode. We got Michael Cohen to talk about some Independence Day. Oh, so you're, gonna, you're just going to take the Jeff Goldblum role? We didn't, you, you don't even discuss yeah. it? Um, just, yeah, and you, now that I think about it, that's actually a real bad, like missed assignments here because i'm not jeff i am definitely not david levinson if there's anyone in this if, if that's either of us that's you uh, and i would definitely be captain stephen hiller so i already messed this up listen listen i i there is n- no movie in which jeff goldblum is i i even like i mean like he's pretty hot in a lot of movies this is his sexiest movie in my opinion I that and and you know like like the fly is definitely up there uh but that goes south real fast um <laughs> and he starts off blue and furry in earth girls are easy but the, it's a major plot point in that one when they shave the fur off and it turns out that they're all hot underneath um well maybe not damon wines but uh sorry damon wines i mean like you know he's he's no slouch but uh, uh but it was uh jeff goldblum and a young jim carrey I, I starring alongside alongside them. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'd say I say we can split the duties because because I think you're about as pretty as Jeff Goldblum, and I'll be as Jewish as Jeff Goldblum, and uh, and, and, and between the two of us, I think we can get there. I, uh, I, but yeah, man. Oh, I so I just watched it. I I know you've been watching this movie repeatedly. Yes, uh, because in the lead up to the 25th anniversary uh, with Joe, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Hogan and I have been uh, we watch this movie. We've been watching this movie every year for the past at least three, maybe four years. We usually start in June and watch it all the way up till the end of July multiple times. But because it was the 25th anniversary this year, which was on July the 3rd, um, July 3rd, 1996 was when this movie was released. So Joe and I decided last summer that this coming year, every month, we would watch the movie at least once. So we've watched it every month, um, but we've we probably watched it about nine or ten times uh, in June, and we've already watched it four or five times in July. Uh, <laughs> not to mention the amount of times Joe has watched it on his own and myself as, as well. Uh, we love this movie. I love this movie. And actually he and I are going down. Uh, he's, he put together a, a filming location, uh, sheet for Manhattan for all the places they filmed this movie in Manhattan. And he and I are going to go down there, uh, in August with, uh, and, uh, do the, uh, filming locations from independence day. <laughs> it's going to be a great, uh, you guys are adorable. I, oh, thank I, you. Uh, so Joe, Joe is the best. And if, if, uh, if people aren't listening to rebel cells, Joe's been on with us this season uh, to talk about bad batch. And, uh, and, and he is just, he is just the best. Joe is one of the best people. This is just a shout out to Joe Hogan, who is just one of the best people on the planet. Just full stop. He's just an amazing <laughs> human. Really um, uh, uh, but yeah, I, that's awesome. I love it. I was telling crystal and she was like, she was like, why 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 are they doing that (laughs) and i was like uh they don't have kids and they're not married that's why uh you guys have time yes valid question by a normal human yeah 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 you guys you guys have time to answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) we have work to do from home so that can fill the background the whole time (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure. Nothing else pressing for us. So, yeah. But uh, all that aside, uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Um, it, there's so much I would love to talk about. And uh, we're just going to hit on some of the, the big things. And the first thing that I want to hit on, though, Mike, is the fact that this movie came in a golden age of movie making, in my opinion. The mid-90s, mm-hmm. 
everything was just so optimistic. Everything had a happy ending, right? It's so different from the movies of today, even even our action movies, right? They always have to have like a anti-hero or, you know, someone's got to die at the end, even if they win, right? Like there's such a, and, and obviously lots of people die in this movie, but most of them are just right. Like we know like, oh my gosh, they leveled Manhattan, but we only saw like a couple characters with faces actually die in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and it just ends with such a high note. I mean, it's a very uplifting movie and, you know, I think that in and of itself gives it such a, uh, endearing spot for, for myself. Uh, actually Joe and I, when we were watching it the other day, we were talking about, you know, movies like independence day that, really just leave you feeling happy at the end, right? Like you just have a big, stupid, goofy grin on your face at the end of the movie. And, you know, like we talked about this one and Ghostbusters kind of has that same effect. Um, you know, like the the Phantom Menace has that effect in my opinion. You know, so it's one of these movies that you can just have a lot of fun with. Um, and even all these years later, for for myself, uh, this movie still just, it stands up too, you know, and it, and it really re relit the love of the summer blockbuster, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Jaws was essentially the first one and then you had Jurassic Park and then you had Independence Day. This movie came out three years after Jurassic Park and when it came out, it broke all sorts of records for, you know, um, making money. The only thing it fell short of, because up till that time, Jurassic Park was the hot, highest selling movie of all time and independence day didn't quite overtake it but it was right beneath it it up until 96 it was number two i believe um so it was wildly popular um and to me a lot of it has to do with again that sense of optimism that sense of we can do anything if we work together i mean it's an extremely naive look if you you know looking at it from our modern day lens Mm -hmm. um you know there there's a scene in the movie you know towards the end when when the americans figure out the plan they're gonna you know launch this virus and coordinate this attack via morse code and there's that scene in the middle east where you have you know uh palestinian and israeli soldiers working together um, that movie, when it was released over there, was censored by Israel. They took that scene out, um, which is a little silly because it's like you're literally missing the point. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Like the whole point of this movie was to say there is nothing we as a world culture could not accomplish if we could set aside our, to quote President Thomas Whitmore, petty differences aside. Right. You know, and in 2021, that message is just like, oh, come on, you're just so foolish and naive. And, and there is some truth to that for sure. Like there, these, these, you know, uh, tensions that exist throughout the world have longstanding history that you can't just dismiss overnight. But I think that's why this movie swung so big, because it's literally what the hell would we do if we woke up one morning to a dozen 15 mile wide spaceships hovering over cities of the earth? And yeah. What's so cool, like that quick backstory, and and forgive me if you already know this, Mike, but uh, this movie was essentially created while doing the press tour for the movie Stargate, which Roland Emmerich and um, Devin Devlin, (laughs) what a silly name, were working on together. And they kind of had this idea of like, hey, what would happen if we woke up one day to massive spaceships over the capitals of the world? And then they wrote a story around it. But like, Mm -hmm. to me, that's just like a fascinating and fun idea albeit somewhat terrifying. And I think the whole point of the movie, the whole message was, was that really simplistic one of what would happen if we all worked together? What could we then accomplish? And that's really what this movie is about. Yeah. I, this movie is such a, it, it's such a unique film for me because it, and I know like we treat it every year when, when, when July 4th comes around, people act like, like, oh yeah, you know, it's the, it's the whatever anniversary of when the aliens came and, and we like pretend like it, like it really happened, yeah. which, which like says to me that like my experience of it as a kid was not unique, but like my, my personal experience that I can say in my words is that like, when I think back on the summer that this movie came out, this happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, obviously 
it didn't happen. <laughs> like we know that like in reality, rationally, it didn't happen, but there's something about the presentation of this movie, the, the way that it shot the, the, the way that I, I like, like the cast, the, the, the performances, um, the music, everything like, and, and the effects, which actually surprisingly hold up pretty well. Oh. There's a lot of stuff in it that you're like, okay, like there's a lot of blue screen, I, I, you know, I, I very nineties looking, I, I special effects, but, but remember like, this is a, this is a few years before, I, I, the, um, the, the prequels start. So before, you know, like the digital, the really like the CG age kind of overtook us. Um, and a lot of the effects are still practical. So there's this, this Veritas to it that I think, those shots at the beginning of the movie will always feel to me like that happened like that, like that really happened. Like there's, and I think that you forgive so much of the silliness that happens later on in the movie. Once the explosions start, because that first, what is it like probably 20 minutes of the movie is handled so expertly of mm-hmm. like setting up, like, like just, you know, like when, when we first see the, the ship, descending on new york and it's it's i uh, i it's still like smoking from re-entry basically right yeah or from entry i suppose not re-entry i i but for, from entering the atmosphere like it's it's like on fire and and uh, i i just like covered in a cloud and just the reactions of the people and stuff like that and then just like the visual of it over los angeles is just i mean even 25 years later watching it literally on my iPhone (laughs) as I was getting other stuff done this morning. Right. Like I, I, it was, it's still like, it's such a moment in time for me. And I think anybody else who was there and I saw this movie in the theater that summer, no less than six times. Oh, wow. No less than six times. As a matter of like, I saw it, I saw it, I, I was living in the Okanagan, living in Penticton, saw it in that little theater. And then we came down to Vancouver, uh, which is like about a five hour drive going from small town to big city. Right. And I, when we were in the city, I said to my dad, I was like, we have to go see Independence Day again on a real screen because the theater in Penticton was just like this rinky dink little sort of like uh, uh, small town theater. Which I also love little like repertory uh, small town theaters as well. But like they have it, there's it's just a different vibe. And this was a movie that deserved to be seen on the biggest screen possible. So we yeah, went, we, and we saw it again. And I, it was just like, I couldn't get enough of it. I just couldn't get enough of it. And yeah, and I think again, like that was that was its success. It was a blockbuster and it was created to be a blockbuster. You know, I mean, it's not the most uh, deep, thought provoking movie. And Again, it's a reminder that movies don't have to be to sweep you up into something grand. And that's the point of a blockbuster, right? Jaws doesn't particularly have any deep, you know, sensibility to it. The novel, however, does. The Jaws novel is one of my favorite books. Um, But that's a a conversation for another day. Um, But yeah, I mean, Independence Day, it slapped you with these awesome visuals that you know, again, 25 years later, hold up so good. I mean, essentially the only things that some of the shots look a little cheesy now are some of the destruction shots, but the whole model build, the model scaling, they did a great job of, you know, essentially doing model work with what little bit of CGI that existed still at the time. Um, But yeah, you know, it's, it was an event, like you said, and um, I was actually really disappointed that not one theater around me, not even the drive-ins played it this summer, you know, for mm. the 25th. And it makes me wonder what its staying power is in all honesty. It's like, okay, well, I, I know I still love this and I've got some friends who yeah. still really love it, but I'm curious if, uh, you know, maybe others just, just don't, don't think of it that way, which is yeah. fine. I think, you know, uh, similarly in a way uh, to the special editions as well as the prequels, I think that that resurgence kind of poisoned the well a little bit where it's like those of us who are fans, that's not the case, right? Like we we appreciate uh, whether it's Star Wars or Independence Day, like the original stuff for what it is. And and Resurgence is not a horrible movie. It's its greatest sin is that it's boring. Uh, <laughs> it just like it it doesn't 
it doesn't capture imagine your imagination in the same way that the first one did. Um, well, and- but, but, but like it, I do think that like having a mediocre sequel, however many years later that was, what was that? Like 20 something years later. I think it was, was 20 years later. Yeah. Was it was 20 years later. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I, I do think that that sort of like, like wiped that nostalgia clear for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Well, the whole but, point of that movie was to see if, cause they want to do a whole trilogy sequel and that was, yeah. that was to test the waters and, uh, well, that, movie, so well. that movie didn't suck. It might've done better, but I, I, yeah. I, I'm a lot less forgiving than you are. I thought it was absolute trash. So, um, and- it, 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 you know what, like, this is the thing is that, is that independence day really like, like you're saying, like it, it kind of, it came out that summer and it, it set a new model for the blockbuster. Um, it made Will Smith, like it took him from yes. even more of a household name to like being one of the biggest stars on the planet. Um, uh, cause I mean, fresh Prince of Bel-Air had already been on for years and was hugely popular, but, uh, and, and he'd obviously been in, in, in plenty of movies and stuff like that and, and, and had some really great roles, but this is the movie that really like rocketed him into superstardom and then followed up with men in black the next year. Um, but I, I, but, but so many movies came after independence day to try and be independence day like to try and you know come come for the crown and in my opinion the only movie that ever has come close is a movie that is almost beat for beat like the same the same uh plot but in a very different context and that's pacific rim it it like they Pacific Rim borrows a lot from Independence Day and then mixes it in with giant robots and kaiju, right? Like I, I, but but in terms of like you know the the destruction and stuff like that and and uh, and the rah rah humans fighting back together, it's all like and and a, and a nuke at the end that it, you know <laughs> it's just like it's all it's very similar. It's all very very similar. Well, um, really, but, but like so many of even Roland Emmerich's movies don't come close to this it's 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 so interesting how like even he couldn't recapture whatever special sauce this movie had and and i honestly think that it was just a combination it was just it, it was no one thing it was the the i think the screenplay is actually a fantastic screenplay uh, for for what the movie's trying to accomplish, I do. I think it has a lot of heart, even mm-hmm. if even if a lot of that stuff is like hokey by today's standards. I I I love the message that's in it. Um, I think that you have a, like the three leads of Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, and Will Smith, like really like at the at the top of their games, in my opinion. Um, it, like you can't you can't beat that. The special effects being where where they were, like it's the peak of of physical effects really um only to be surpassed by by you know star wars uh and then the music is just like man oh man is the music good in this movie and i and that is always the piece that is all i think with everything that we ever talk about like it's always going to come back to like did it did it have a soundtrack like did it it, a soundtrack like can you hum the tune sort of thing because if you can't you probably forgot the movie right (laughs) but if it but if it's got that Right. Like that's to me, that is the most important piece to a blockbuster movie more than anything else, because anybody can do visuals. Anybody can hire the biggest stars, throw money at it. Right. But if you don't have a genius composing your score, then just just give up. Right. If you're going to phone in that score, uh, uh, here's a great example. Black Widow just came out. The score completely forgettable, in my opinion. Um I, whereas like with the, like, like the, the, the main theme of Independence Day is it's, 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 it's one of the greats, you know? Yeah. So I, it gives you I love the vibes. music. I, I've been listening to the soundtrack. I bought the, I rebought the CD to listen to as much as I can at home. Um, I mean, it's also on Spotify, but uh, the music's by David Arnold and it's a phenomenal score. And I try to remember what year tomorrow never dies come came out. I believe 97 or 98 because um, uh, David Arnold did the music for that. He, I think he did a lot of the bond movies in the midnight mid to late nineties and the 
the, it's essentially like the romantic theme of Independence Day, which is the theme typically played between the president and his wife or between uh, Will Smith's character and Vivica Fox's character. But that romance love theme is almost the exact same romantic love theme for James Bond and uh, Terry Hatcher's character in Tomorrow Never Dies. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, which I, I love the score to that movie as well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree that the, the scores need to be to be memorable as part of a blockbuster hit. And, and I'm kind of with you. I, I'm re- I've been watching a lot of Black Widow and I really like it. But that is one thing. There are a few pieces that are really good musically speaking but the majority of it is definitely like it's it's just there <laughs> you know it 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 hits it hits good a couple of times but it never to me like that not to talk too much about black widow but it never hits like like that emotional resonance that something like the independence oh, independence uh, day main score does or star wars or jaws right like yeah. like yeah. like when you really think of like the great movies I, like like they they really rely a lot on music. Right. Um, well, but yeah. I'll say this just to, in Black Widow's defense, I would say of the 22 Marvel movies, the only real memorable musical stuff to me is the Avengers theme itself and Thanos's little motif. The rest yeah. of the music, I mean, there is good music scattered throughout, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing like super elevated. And I... This again, we're getting way off topic here, but the, I I credit that to what Hans Zimmer did to score music, <laughs> um, a while back, and essentially turned it from being thematic music in the school of John Williams and turned it into like ambient music, which is it's more about just setting the scene, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is so it's fine in the movie, but it never works quite as well when you're listening yeah. to it. Like I actually listened to the Black Widow score the other night, and I was like, yeah, there's really nothing on here. Like there's a couple songs that I enjoyed, but overall I'm like, there's nothing here. But dude, when I throw that Independence Day CD on for 48 minutes or however long it is man i, I am feeling that music man <laughs> well it, it, it brings you it brings you back to the moments right Absolutely. like it, it like it ties into the emotion and that's what good light motifs and 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 themes do yes. right is is they they tie you back into the emotional state of a character or the story or like 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 bring you back to a plot point and that's why that's why the avengers theme works really well because every time you hear the avengers theme it takes you right back to the first time that you saw yes. the team assembled. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, and, you know, they do the circle around. Um, yeah. And so every time they call it back, it takes you right back there. And it's to say like, that's what star Wars does. That's what, right. it's what all, right. all these great things do. Yeah. And I mean, like, like, I mean, John Williams with, with the, the, the light motif for jazz. I mean, it's, it's two notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, right, the, the but that's the master. That's yeah, the, master. The, the Thanos motif, I believe, is three notes. Like it's, hmm. it's just a couple very low chords, um, and, and but it's perfect. It works so perfectly. Yeah, Alan Silvestri, though, like like same school, right? Like same school Absolutely. as John Williams. So. Yes. yeah, for sure. Um, um, but anyway, back to Independence yeah. Day. Yeah, you know, thinking about just again, we're talking almost this generalized conversation around its success as a blockbuster and all the things that went into that. And, you know, I, I, I love your point about how, you know, Roland Emmerich never quite recaptured that magic in anything else. I, I love his movie Day After Tomorrow. Again, that's a very maligned movie, but again, came out during the midst of like a real big glo- global climate awareness. Um, and again, the science is ridiculous, but it yeah. was just trying to get your attention. And I, and I love it just for its visuals. But all that to say, nothing quite was what Independence Day was. And I'm curious, like, so based on what we've already talked about to me, I think what made this movie work so well is because it really was born out of this just really impulsive, creative, fun idea, right? Which I imagine those are lightning in a bottle ideas, which again is just while doing this press tour for another sci-fi movie of just asking the question, what if this happened? And then writing a story to, to, to have fun with that. Right. Um, yeah. I feel like that's probably why this worked. That's why Star Wars worked. That's why Jaws worked, right? You had these imaginative forces that just knew like, this is going to be a great, fun, horrifying story in the case of Jaws, right? And let's make these happen. Um, I think that's, again, what really works and why this blockbuster was so successful is it just, it was born out of a very straightforward, fun idea. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot to get your head around 
what's happening in Independence Day. It's it's like you see the poster and you're like, I know everything I need to know about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly like when they when they when the trailers like showed us them blowing up the White House and stuff, you're like, okay, okay, I'm in. Yes. I yes. yeah, it, yeah, it's it's not a hard sell. But I, but I think I think like that that gets you in the door, but I think that that what makes it um so rewatchable is a, a big part of it is the characters absolutely uh, which which i think is like not a lot of that is on the page i think that a lot of that is those those three leads that i talked about mm-hmm. um uh even even like randy quaid vivica fox right like the the supporting cast as well um i i really really like elevating the material that they're given but i do think that like that third act beginning or i guess really the second act closing out with the president's speech and it being a message of of you know it's it is it's a message of peace but it's a message of peace that says let's go beat the crap out of some aliens which is like this cool juxtaposition of like um it's very 90s it's it's so (laughs) quintessentially 90s um, the whole, like the fact that, uh, that, that, that David Levinson's character is like obsessed with recycling and, yeah. and all, all the whole thing, all of that. So that at the end of the movie, he can be like, you know, I'm always saying I want to save the world. Well, here, I've got my chance. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Like right. that's the whole reason that's part of his character is so that he can have that line and then go fly in a, in a spaceship up to, to, to save the day. Yeah. And it's like, there's just, there's the little stuff like that, that they pepper throughout yeah, well, uh, Hiller with the, with the, with the NASA rejection letter at the beginning. Yes. Right. So that, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Like it just <sighs> super smart stuff like that, that makes, that takes it from like, okay, whatever, which I like those other movies, I, I day after tomorrow, 2012, uh, even like Godzilla, like like the other Roland Emmerich movies, like oh, they yeah. just they don't they don't have that. Yes. They don't have those pieces to them. And I think that a lot of that's just the screenplay. Right. And and, you know, I, and like you were saying, it's also just the chemistry that was clearly created between these actors. They were, you know, Jeff Goldblum was a big, big name by this point because of mainly Jurassic Park. I mean, literally reusing the line must go faster, you know, yeah. into the movie. Um but like you said, this was Will Smith's breakout role. Like he was already like people knew who he was because of Fresh Prince. He had just been in Bad Boys, but Bad Boys was targeted to an older audience, right? Well, like older teenagers, right? Not not children. Whereas Independence Day was for everyone, um, you know. So and and just the way they they bonded and so much of the dialogue at the end of the movie between Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith was improv, um, just. Mm-hmm. In, in the moment, which was very clear, like it was just letting these great actors work their craft um, and they knew what movie, what kind of movie they were in and they had fun with it. Uh, and, you know, and to me, that was the biggest drawback of the second one is, is just I didn't care about any of the characters um, like I, it just it didn't work. The new characters just didn't work for me at all. Um, and who knows why it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But this movie, it works so well. And I want to reference, you know, you, you my favorite part of this movie every time I watch it and no matter what I'm doing, because I'll admit, obviously, a lot of times it's just kind of on in the background the last few few months. But whenever the scene of Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith taking off into space and, the, you know, the captured alien fighter and Will Smith, you know, his character breaks out past the atmosphere and he says, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Like you said, that beautifully wraps back into the rejection letter earlier. But more than that, like in that moment, it's like. We're all Captain Stephen Hillard who like we all dream for something big and we just want to see it happen. And that's why I love that moment so much is because for this character, his the biggest dream he's ever had is coming real. I mean, it's coming real in light of in spite of some tragedy. But I think there's even some beauty in that 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 truth that as horrible as things can get, somehow we can still rise above them. And again, it's not to, not trying to like belittle the amount of death and destruction that clearly happens in this movie, but you know, it's that it's just such a beautiful character moment. Um, and, and you know, and I would tie that, in, you know, soon before that scene, which is David Levinson saying, you know, you know, I'm always trying to save the planet. Here's my chance, right? Like 
these two characters kind of get to live out their dreams. Um, and, 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 and it's so real. Like you really feel that. And again, that's, that's why this movie has the staying power. 2012 had some really cool visuals day after tomorrow as well, but this had the visuals and the heart. Right. And I think that's what goes into a blockbuster. That's the truth of star Wars, right? Star Wars was a swashbuckling fun adventure in 1977, but people went back 20, 30 times because there was something deeper too. Right. And while Independence Day doesn't draw from strong mythology in the same way, uh, I don't think that was its intention. Um, it does draw on blockbusters, though. I mean, literally the opening shot of the mothership approaching the Earth, it's meant to resonate with the Star Destroyer at the beginning of A New Hope. Um, I mean, it's the same type of shot, this massive ship going over the top of you. Um, the, when, they, when the fighters are going to cra- against the... Uh, an alien ship the first time over out Los Angeles and uh, you know, Will Smith's wingman played by uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Harry, Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. And he's just yeah. so Holy God. I mean, that's literally wedge Antilles saying, look at the size of that thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's meant to be the same. Well, and yeah. And, and later on when, when they, when they uh, launched the attack and uh, the, 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 the missiles all get through, and then when the uh, when when the alien fighters show up, uh, like for the for their their counterattack or whatever, like to meet them, they kind of just appear almost out of nowhere, which is very much Return of the Jedi. Yep, right? exactly. Like yeah, they just fly into so that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, um, it borrows so much of the visual, uh, the, like the iconography from Star Wars. It, it it's funny to watch it and be like, but then it also like it also borrows from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, right? Which is the opposite of this movie where it's like, well, the alien mothership comes down and then they have like a nice little chat with them and, and it's peaceful and everybody's happy and it's, it's great. Um, and there's the whole, like the, the burr, 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 like, and it's like the lights and the sound and whatever. Yeah. And we get the, the, the welcome wagon helicopter yeah. that like with the lights on it and it's, it's, it's not played up as like, as, as sweet and kindly as it is in close encounters but it's very like um it's intense it's very like michael bay-esque of like the sound of the lights that lights don't no lights make that sound yeah Uh, but they do in movies (laughs) uh, especially movies like this and uh and then they just get blown up (laughs) they just like these we don't even like we don't even see where the shots come from like we don't there's no explanation for like oh there's like turrets or something inside there nope it just opens up and then just like like blaster bolts like come out and blow up the (laughs) the helicopters and you're just like oh no i but you know i love how the movie likes to play with this idea of like maybe they come in peace when it's like everybody in that theater saw the trailer and knows yeah. they don't come in peace. Right. Right. I, lo- I love it when movies like try and pretend like you don't know anything about it. Like, yeah. like, like, uh, like this is going to be a surprise. But yeah. But, that, uh, yeah. Like you were saying earlier that, that the first 25, 30 minutes of this movie, the way they just ramp up the tension while also interspersing the character moments. Right. So like yeah. you really, I mean, at least I do. I I feel like they genuinely put in the work to make you care about these characters before yep. the aliens attack, because once they attack, it's it's all just a response movie to that. So, uh, you know, you and, and even in the character moments of how they respond to these tragedies, we only care about that because of the work put in in that first, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And, yeah. and again, like I think um, the 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 simple connection between president whitmore and his wife you know played by uh bill pullman i don't know the actress's name my apologies um i'll, I'll, I'll pull it up I've thank you but uh you know like they have a couple little phone conversations and you know they immediately introduce this thing about liar right like he he, he yeah. tells her mistruths to try to spare her and she she doesn't fall for that anytime because she knows him yeah. too well and it's a simple little thing like that that where you're just like yeah, these two really love each other, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Ma- Mary McDonald is the actress. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, and then when she passes later in the movie, you know, and you have that tender moment between him and his daughter, you know, is mommy sleeping now? Yeah, mommy's sleeping. And 
the way his daughter almost embraces him. Like this is the first time where he's almost being cared for by the daughter. I mean, I, it's a beautiful moment in my opinion. And when I'm watching it, not with Joe, I usually tear up. Joe always laughs at it, but I, I freaking love it. <laughs> so he doesn't laugh at it in a malicious way, but he doesn't think it works, but I, I disagree. Uh, oh, I think it, I, I, speaking as a father like that, it works. It works. Yeah, it definitely um, works. Yeah. Yeah. Because he comes out there and he doesn't, he doesn't have the words, right. He doesn't know how to tell, his daughter what has just happened and she says that and he says yeah and then kind of like starts to break a little bit and then and she and like she picks up on it and just you know like they just hold hands and it's just and it cuts away i think it's an incredibly effective moment um i think joe is just a a a heartless (laughs) soulless yeah uh, all that nice all the nice things i said about him i take them all back yeah But again, but again, to the point you made earlier, like this is a moment where the score really comes through to give you that emotion too. Yeah. Um, it's it's a beautiful musical piece in that in that scene. Um, that uh, that little girl uh, played by Mae Whitman, which I always love pointing that out to people, and then they go, "Wait, what? Mae Whitman? Like from like?" And then you can name a million things that Mae Whitman's been in now, <laughs> like Parenthood or or Scott Pilgrim or whatever. Um, and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, that that little girl is Mae Whitman. I think it's one of her first roles, actually. Um, yeah, I think I think she was yeah. kind of she's kind of around a lot uh, in, in a lot of like '90s movies at that age. But yeah, but, well, uh, that yeah, might well, be one of her first major ones. Yeah. Well, you know, I I said earlier that this movie doesn't draw deep on mythology, and that's for the most part I would say true. But I actually am dismissing kind of an important part of the mythos of this movie at its core, which is ultimately aliens, right? Like this has been a big thing in in the U S since the fifties. And um, just like a quick background on this. Cause I, I'm, I've got really into like uh, it's called like UFOlogy. Uh, so one of my favorite classes in, in college was occult religions. And one of the units we looked at was uh, UFO religions. And, you know, mm-hmm. typically they arose around Roswell, New Mexico and everything, but it's interesting because the time of when all that stuff happened, when this became part of the American culture, this con- conversation around extraterrestrials and, and UFOs and, you know, interdimensional or otherworldly beings visiting Earth. To me, it was kind of America's response to the nuclear age for the Japanese. That was Godzilla, right? They talked about, you know, the results of being nuclear bombed by America, which, by the way, just to remind everyone, was despicable and disgusting. Um, I think it's still gross that we like laud that as a victorious moment when it was mass murder. But whatever that aside, um, the Japanese created this character, Godzilla, to talk about Mm -hmm. this horrible act created something terrible. And in an interesting way, I almost feel like America's response to the nuclear age and maybe actually owning up a little bit to the fact that we did something disgusting and deplorable was this idea of, you know, an alien, a superior alien race visiting our planet because it's like, oh, we better keep an eye on these fools. They're going to kill each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it's like that's part of the American mythos was it was this era of danger and worry. And obviously in the fifties, you have the red scare going on with the, you know, this massive American political conspiracy around communists under your bed and they're going to corrupt you and kill you. Right. So in the fifties, there was a profound lack of trust in the government as there shouldn't have been, you know, leading all the way up to Richard Nixon, you know, in the, in the seventies. Um, so, you know, this, this UFO stuff, it's really about not trusting this the system that's meant to keep you safe and says that it's going to keep you safe and says that it cares about you right like it's hard to hard to make sense of that after things like this where we're developing nuclear war we're developing scare tactics to keep people in their place let's not forget that we had internment caps for the japanese right like we did some pretty deplorable yeah. stuff from the 40s through the 50s um and today we somehow mark that as like the golden age of america which is all sorts of messed up but yeah. um all that aside, right? Like this movie does dig a little bit into that, right? The, the government did know all about it. And what's interesting is, is you've got the president, like president Whitmore, who in my opinion is meant to be a little bit of a bill Clinton type figure, right? This movie came out during bill Clinton's time in presidency. And, um, you know, I was young at the time and I didn't know a tremendous amount about politics, but from what I come to glean from things in, in his time in office, 
he was a heck of a compromiser. And a lot of people hated him for that, but I think that makes a really good president. I don't want an extremist from either side ruling, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's never a good thing because you're always forgetting somebody by doing that. Um, so, you know, I, I, to, to me, he's debatably the best president in modern America. Uh, I, I know people will probably take issue with that, but he's hell of a lot better than Reagan, who sucked. So I'm just saying that because I know there's a lot of psychos that love Reagan. <laughs> um, uh, but he was he was a pretty deplorable human being. Um, but Bill Clinton was known as this compromiser, right? He tried to work with both sides. And that's what this movie is all about. That's what Bill Pullman's character is kind of embodying as, yeah. you know, he's at the beginning of the movie, it's pointed out that he's kind of a failure because he's trying to compromise too much. And yet at the end of the day, uh, he's right. And when he learns about these secrets that were kept from him by his own government, that's supposed to be at his disposal. He reveals all the like he's he's the type of president who's going to go out and give you all the truth. He's going to become so transparent after these events because yeah. the way they did things was was awful. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I really, really like his character and the way he's he's developed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is definitely meant to be. I mean, he's a bit of an amalgamation of a few things, right? Because like the 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 fighter pilot part of him and stuff is a little bit more that's a little bit more of like a Republican dream yeah, of like, of Oh yeah. President who can also fight. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, relax. By the way, there's never uh, been a Republican president who did that in modern times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean like they love their fallacies. I, I, <laughs> but um, <laughs> not to get too political, Yeah, but yeah, I do love, I, I do love the way that the Roswell stuff is woven into this story. Um, brent spiner's whole character yeah uh, i love the line it's so good they they don't let us out much <laughs> <laughs> it's so good because it's just like this idea that like that uh that everybody who works in that facility is sort of stuck there because they they it's such a big secret um but but the I love the way that like when you refer to it as like the like the the religion of ufology um and 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 independence day really came independence day and men in black both kind of come around the same time as as the x-files is kind of at its peak and uh every time you turn around on uh tlc I, I, did you guys have TLC in the States? Is that, is that just a Canadian thing? Uh, I think so. It's okay. I, I, I don't remember. I think there's an, there, there's an analog to it in the States. I can't remember what it is, but, um, it's like TLC was like the crappier version of the discovery channel. Like discovery was like actual scientists talking about actual science. And then TLC is a lot like what the history channel is nowadays where it's like, Oh, this it's, it's, it's uh, early reality television before we called it reality television. And then these weird specials on things like, uh, like UFOs caught on tape. And I mean, like that stuff was on Fox as well. Like it was all over the place, but we were kind of, Independence Day came out right at the peak of all of that UFO conspiracy stuff um, and really, I think, contributed to it a lot. And I like the the reference to it as like a religion or a cult because it really is. I mean, like like the, 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 the conspiracy belief in it is only akin to religious faith. Um, yeah. because there is no physical evidence there there's, you know, uh, video evidence at best. Um, and, and look, Hey, like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of unexplained, um, uh, unidentified flying objects in the truest sense of the word. I, I don't know that they're aliens. I don't know what they are. They, you know, it, it, they, there could be any myriad of explanation for, what any one of those things is because we really don't know that much about the universe, but people want answers so badly. And I think that that's where it actually mm -hmm. like sinks with religion where I, I, I mean like any, any real, uh, I, I personally, this is my feeling any real study into a religious text reveals a lot more questions than it does answers to anything. And exploring those questions is the path to being a better person right that's i i i 
Christ was probably a very difficult person to have a conversation with because he never answered anything. He only ever like referred to things with allegories or, or shot you back another question. Right. Like, so it was like, uh, uh, can't you just, can't, can't you just answer a single thing? But like, that's most, most, uh, uh, religious figures, uh, uh, in history kind of spoke in that way. Um, and, uh, and, and to me, it's like, when we look at, when we look at things like UFOs and then we want to like attribute some sort of a physical explanation to it, a, a tangible, real logical explanation to it. It is, it's very similar to what I see from people in the church who want to take, uh, I, segments of that book of of the book of the bible that are very clearly meant to be allegory even from the old testament and that jewish people will tell you is allegory is not is not factual um and and they want they just want to like put fact to it right it's it's the same there's a simplicity in making it literal but there's also tremendous danger in that simplicity absolutely yeah absolutely and and so i think that that like um they have fun with it in independence day, but, yeah. but you have to remember that like around the same time as this movie, we were getting stuff like fire in the sky. I, I is that Nick was, Cage? I, no, I, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm thinking of a different movie, but fire in the sky. We watched that movie during my class. Cause it's about that supposed real, you know, person who was abducted by aliens out in like the, yeah. you know, podunk part of America. Um, and uh, I remember the abduction scene. I it freaked me out. I had a nightmare that night. <laughs> oh, Fire in the Sky is a terrifying movie. It, it really um, is. It really. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think I think I think I I like you talked about about like that the nineteen fifties uh, UFO I I you know uh, the day the Earth stood still type uh, uh, cultural phenomenon. Uh, that happened then and its connection to uh, to both. I, th- I think you're absolutely right to to nuclear warfare as well as the Cold War, right? The the resulting Cold War. Yeah. Um, it, with well, Russia. And I think, you know, even so, you know, that the, the, the fanaticism that has come about because of, you know, supposed alien sightings and alien abduction, yeah. the scene that captures that kind of fantastic uh energy is actually the 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 friend of vivica fox's character who his name i believe is tiffany um she's also in saved by the bell the college years um but uh when she goes up to the roof right and you see all the people with their you know like welcome welcome make yourself at home signs or you know the woman on the news is like oh god i hope they bring back elvis right like you know these they're obviously playing with the tropes of who they believe these people are right in in american culture these people are all considered nuts right so they kind of make fun of that but at the same time these are also people i feel like and and this is where even in the reality of of these kind of ufo cults is there is i think they rose out of this fear among the public about again the people that are supposed to protect us and keep us safe seem to be a threat and there's almost yeah. this wishful hope that it's like, I hope somebody comes to check on us from another galaxy who's a little yeah. wiser and a little kinder, right? It, it, yeah, I, I think I, that, and that's where I was kind of driving with that is that like in the, in the 1950s, it was that nuclear slash red scare sort of thing that was driving a lot of pop culture. I think in the, in the early and mid nineties, it was the beginning of the information age, right? I mean, mm, like, yeah. Uh, satellites that could take pictures and, and, you know, and so I think that, I think that it hit the pop culture zeitgeist as a, as a result of that, because we were all, the world was getting smaller and, and we were all connected and, uh, and we started to learn, Hey, the government is watching everything that you do. (laughs) Um, And they don't care. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for me. At the end of the day, the government doesn't care what the majority of us are doing, but that doesn't mean that they're not in our business listening, right? right. And I and I think that like like when you look at, at the more logical, rational side of pop culture uh, at the time, you're you're talking about like movies like The Fugitive and stuff like that. Whereas like you see uh, like 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 a lot of the Harrison Ford uh, yeah. uh, milieu Tom, from that Tom Clancy movies, right? Exactly. Where we start to say, like, we're learning about the fact that like, oh, the CIA, the FBI, like they are, they're, they're trying to assess threats, but in doing so they're invading everyone's privacy. Yeah. And so I think that like this idea 
of these all powerful um uh, above us literally uh, uh beings with technology that we don't have access to and we can't fathom constantly watching us performing experiments on us kidnapping us out of our homes like i think i i think that that's all connected into that and it's just it was just something that permeated the the pop culture subconscious or not even pop culture just like the cultural subconscious and so you ended up with with all of these these sightings and stories and stuff like that and 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 that contributes to to like a a a great deal of the plot in this movie right yeah but it's so funny because now you don't hear any of that stuff right i mean like the 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 american government this year came out and was like yeah yeah we do we have seen ufos there are documented cases by the military we have video evidence of things we don't understand engaging with our aircraft like they came out like they came right out and said that stuff and it was news for like half a day (laughs) and then somebody on twitter said something and it became something like it was some other thing or somebody got canceled or whatever like like it's so not part of the cultural conversation right now and i think it's because we've moved past that stage of like of fear of the surveillance sort of uh, big brother nanny state. Right. Yeah. And like, we are fully into 1984 territory now where we just, we just accept it. Um, and so it's not, it's not part of the subconscious. I think that's also one of the reasons why like, like resurgence felt empty because the first independence day was sort of keying into some of these things and playing on some of these things that were in the consciousness at the time. And then resurgence was just an action movie. Like it, like there was no, there's no, there's no, like, uh, not that independence day is a deep movie as we've already said, it's not that deep. It's everything's very surface, but, but it, it, but it surface stuff that resonates, if that makes any sense. Yeah. As opposed to like resurgence was like it, it resurgence wasn't even surface. Like resurgence felt like a copy paste of the first movie with less, uh, to be excited about it was just like how much more can we do with cg now yeah um so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lift uh, what don't they like don't they use like gravity guns or something like that to like lift the the uh, eiffel tower into the air and then smash it into the city or something like it's it, it just it just became a cg fest and and um i love a cg fest don't get me wrong i i i there are entire sequences of some of my favorite movies that just become just they just turn into computer animated movies for 45 minutes. But, um, but you got to have characters, you got to have a story, you got to have something going on. Yeah. And it just, I just, like this movie just, it was just the right place, right time. And it just hit on all of these different things that actually like meant something to people. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird how that, how that happened. Cause we're so, I think we're just so cynical now. You couldn't have a character like David Levinson talking about recycling and getting mad at people for that nowadays it would be considered like like really lame and hokey right but it was such a like it was such a defining characteristic of of that performance in 1996 because we all cared about recycling at the time right yeah it's uh now we just know that recycling isn't going to save the planet it's that's a recycling your cans isn't going to do it right um (laughs) yeah um yeah well I'm going to make one final point here. And again, yeah. I feel like we're really glossing over because we, we kind of talked so broadly here. We didn't get into any specifics, which is fine. That's not, yeah. I don't think the point, but, um, but I, I, my big swing here is to, to connect this to even kind of one level of mythology. So something that's something that's big in old Testament literature is the idea of a purifying force. Um, so think of Noah's Ark with the flood. Think of uh, the Babylonians during the time of the exile. Think of King Cyrus of Persia. The Old Testament is full of these stories. Um, and again, it's a, it's a different worldview. So I want to I preface with that really quickly. It's a different worldview where they're open to the fact that God is completely in the bus steering where you know, history shall go and God can do whatever they think is, is necessary. So in a modern sensibility, what I'm about to say is, is not usually 
people are like, oh, this is terrible. But it's you have to understand the context out of which these stories were being written, which is, again, God is in control and is doing what's best. So in all of those stories, God allows destructive forces to purify the unjust, to purify the injustice of Israel. That's kind of the point of the whole exile story with both Babylon and then again with Persia. Those those were all historical events. There's no there's no doubt about that. Those were historical events. The job of a scripture writer is to make sense of them in in the lens of one's faith. And in the context of those stories, they saw those events as God's way of purifying the injustice that existed so rampantly in Israel. So in an interesting way, this movie kind of does that as well on a global scale, right? The world is not living in balance. There is just tremendous strife, conflict, war, violence. So there's this outside force that comes in literally by shooting fireballs at us and purifies the world. Now, again, is that a good, is like, is that the best thing in the world? Like tons of people die. Of course, that's horrible. But in a very grand mythological biblical story, that's what's going on here is that, uh, you know, again, this is me like superimposing, uh, an Old Testament lens here. So if, if you're not even a person of, of Judeo-Christian belief, this will mean nothing to you. And I, and I apologize for that read. But um, it's essentially like saying God didn't send the aliens, but God worked through their destructive acts to bring around, to bring about a more just world, right? Mm. So it's not to say that God sent them. So biblical authors usually will say God sent them. I mean, literally the Noah's Ark story is God sending a flood. It's God's direct action, right? Yeah. You had evangelicals react that way to Hurricane Katrina, Katrina saying, well, God allowed this because New Orleans is a city of sin. God is purifying it. Um, I don't, I don't think that that is actually how God works. I think the reality is, is that things happen in our world and God always responds to them. Um, here, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little preachy here, <laughs> but you know, Katrina was really, to me, it's a reminder that, uh, the natural world is being so messed up by humanity that the natural world is fighting back and that's always going to be destructive. Um, but I feel like God's hope is that, is that we, we might try to live a more balanced life in, in harmony yeah. with nature and we choose to continue not to. That's really what the pandemic was ultimately too, is our lack of care for the natural world. The natural world is trying to defend itself. So until we can start to be a little more in harmony with it, these things are going to keep happening. Um, and I think yeah. the wake up yeah. a lot of folks are missing. I'm sorry. I totally got on a soapbox here, but no, no, no. I, I think, I, I think to, to just like to steer it away from the Judeo Christian ideology and, and, and bring a little bit of Taoism into it, you know, like, I, I and even which always then ends up connecting back into the force of Star Wars for me. It's it's it, it is about balance, right? And um, the 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 world, like a Taoist would look at at Katrina and say, yes, that happens, <laughs> right? Like, is it good or bad? It's neither. It happens, right? Um, it's is it the result of human action? That's difficult to answer, right? Is it is it is it a, a scenario exacerbated by climate change more than likely. Yeah. But, um, and us living out of equilibrium with the world that, that we're a part of. Right. Um, but, but I do think like, like, yeah, I Judeo Christian, uh, beliefs, uh, particularly the Judeo part of it. God was not, uh, altruistic and happy and nice <laughs> in the old Testament in the, in the, in the Jewish belief. Um, God was just, to be uh, respected, feared, and admired, <laughs> right? Um, above all other gods, I, I, it's a very different relationship than than the Christian relationship, which is with Christ, who came to say, like, actually, God loves you, right? I, I which reframes a lot of that stuff, and you hear a lot of like, it, there, it, in 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 Christian. Uh, circles it, there's a lot of like but what about job what does that mean and it's like well it meant something very different to jewish people yeah um yeah because it's really about it's really about like suffering is going to happen and god is responsible for everything so he's also responsible for suffering right um but like that like i said like that that the taoist belief that that sort of more eastern belief um uh and and really like enlightenment and harmony is is getting to the point where you can just accept in a very stoic way and stoicism isn't a be all end all i think some people look at it that way but 
um, in a very stoic way, just being able to look at an event at a catastrophe um, uh, and, and to say, this happens, right? Um, you know, in order to have life, we need to have death. They go hand in hand. I mean, like the, the very act of being alive is a destructive act. I, I, and, and, and dying is actually peace, <laughs> you know, like, like that's that, that's that yin yang, uh, uh, balance. Um, so, so like, like I, that, the, I would love to, to see like a, like a Taoist perspective on a movie like Independence Day. Uh, which, which is much more like, yeah, like, like, you know, uh, the, the, it's not just the planet, it's the universe. It's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and here comes this destructive force and what does it mean? It, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It just is, it exists. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I and, and I only dabble in Taoism and, and Eastern beliefs. So, so I, I would love to have a conversation with someone who actually like, uh, uh, has that wisdom <laughs> more than I just borrow that wisdom. Um, I, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, it, it is, it is an interesting thing. And, and, and I do think that like there is, it is a very biblical story when you, when you break it down that way, like independence day is a very biblical style. Um, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, <laughs> the, the great flood, uh, even like even like when we talk about like the Ark of the Covenant, right, and and that it it could lay waste, or like you know uh, uh, when we talk about um, the walls of Jericho and stuff like that, right? Like like there's yeah, there are so many stories in the Old Testament that are just like God's awful wrath, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it's a it's I I think that's a perspective that's lost on a lot of people in this day and age because we just want it to be. Um, uh, uh, Jesus laying in a field with a with a lamb and a lion and a rainbow over top <laughs> of him, right uh, on the stained glass window, um, and it's like, yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> that's part of it too. Yeah, um, but it is balance. It is balance yeah. to me. Yeah, well, and that's really the, the the presentation of Old Testament. God gets a bad rap. It's like, oh, he's just mean and a punisher. It's not true at all. It's actually it's it's a very creative God who's trying to figure out how to make what's best for humanity exist. Um, that's really that story. Um, and it's being written by people in a very violent culture. So there's a lot of violence to that story. But again, like my sensibility is that it's not quite as directly God centric as they, as they might think, but they, no, I, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's no different than Greek mythology or Norse mythology. It's like, these things are happening. We don't have science to explain it. So we're going to attribute everything to a God or gods. Right. Oh, uh, it, it, you know, that a thunderstorm rolled through and burnt down the forest. Uh, Thor must be angry. Yes. About something because <laughs> <laughs> it's out of our control. And ultimately, right. like that's and, and I think I, I think like when you get when you get down to the nitty gritty of why a movie like Independence Day resonates and lasts as long as it does is that it hits on those same beliefs. Yeah. Like I said about the, the that alien stuff is like this idea of the big brother nanny state. It's out of our control can't do anything about it so we create mythologies around it to try and explain our feelings yeah right and and independence day hits on that and it gets like like all of these fears that we have but then answers that with and everybody at the end of the movie gets together and and defeats the opposing force which is something that like we don't get that in real life Right. We don't all get to come together at the end of the day and defeat the opposing force. It's, it's a never ending battle um, to quote Superman on that one. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's an everyday thing and it's very much uh, the misinterpretation of Luke Skywalker in the last Jedi where it's like, but in return of the Jedi, he threw down his lightsaber and, and chose the path of nonviolence. Yeah. yeah. And every single day he woke up after that and had to continue choosing that path. Yeah. You don't just choose that path once it forks every time you're confronted, you know? And I, I, I like that's, that's reality. But in our stories, we crave finality. We crave closure. 
and, and, and uh, yeah, there's and there's Independence Day gives us that. It fireworks. does, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and that's another reason I never loved the second one is is this supposition that like of course they were always going to come back. It's like no, the first movie makes it pretty clear their entire civilization travels yeah. and does this, and we wipe that out by blowing up the mothership. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's again at the end of the day, what this movie. Uh, really accomplishes so well is it really is about this you know it's it's very much still our world today it's a very you know uh conflict laden world and into that mix comes this destructive force that just wants to annihilate us to take over everything right um this is colonialism to the extreme by the way right like the aliens yeah. come and take what they want we are literally ants to them and they they know exactly how to beat us and they're going to beat us because they believe they have the right to live therefore we do not um and what ultimately the independence day tells us is that when we just work together and fight for the things we truly love um there's nothing we can't do. I mean, and that's, and I think that's, again, like, like you've said several times, Mike, is this movie's got that heart. It's got the heart of these characters genuinely care about each other. They genuinely care about their little worlds and understand that by fighting for their little worlds, they'll help save the big world. Um, and, and I love that message. You know, it, 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 that's why it ends with such a high note and such a happy ending. And I think that's the perfect way to end this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I awesome. Uh, yeah, I, good, good conversation, uh, as always. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a maybe a little tiny bit of a longer wait than we wanted. I, I would switch some stuff around and that sort of thing. But whatever. It's here. You guys got it. We're a couple weeks after Independence Day, but that's OK. Yeah. It's as as you have proven uh, I, with this conversation and with the with, with your actions, uh, along with Joe, it's never not a good time for independence day so <laughs> that's right i i yeah i i, I thanks for everybody for listening um, i i i'll be back next week with what what is next week i think next week will be off the record uh so that's the exclusive patreon thunderquack episode um so go over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and and uh, uh kick in over there to get the the i think it's the five dollar level you get the exclusive episode um but uh, what what are we what are we doing next? What, I, you, what, do you remember what we put on the calendar? I don't, and I don't know that we put anything on the calendar. So okay, you'll be excited um, to hear what it is when we come back next month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. We got we got four weeks to figure it out. Yeah, uh, awesome. I uh, well, yeah. Thank you everybody for listening, uh, and uh, and we'll we'll see you on the next one. Metaphysical fiction is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts or follow us at thunderquackpod on Twitter and thunderquackpodcast on Instagram.